It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today, we open the can of worms that is a whole new Kirk Cousins conversation, and I'm sure people will receive it with a great rational mindset. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. 59 days until the NFL draft, but who's counting? Not me. Not me. Arif Hassan threatened to kill one of the Lukes in our text chain and assaulted me at a Vikings game last year. News at 10. You guys didn't bring me on after the season. This is newsworthy. This, this is all most, true. He did the most inside, The most inside statement <laughs> could possibly make. I don't know how this is a newsworthy. Arif punched my soft underbelly. This is the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in. Happy Monday. It's the Minnesota Football Party. Some mixing and matching on the panel today. Arif Hassan's on his way to Indy. Luke Braun flying back, back from a vacation where apparently he was amongst some very tall trees in some exotic location. So we've got Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, and Tom Schreier back with us as our esteemed guest coming off the bench, Mr. Utility Player, to talk some Vikings today on a show that's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So many ways to find the show on YouTube. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, free and available wherever you get your podcasts and Amazon, Fire Stick, and Roku devices, the Locked On Sports Minnesota app. On today's show, gentlemen, I want to reopen the Kirk Cousins debate. Did fans get lulled into a full sense of security last season with the quarterback? Our free agency preview continues. Which running backs would you like to add if indeed the Vikings move on from one or two of theirs? And NFL Combine starts this week. Of course, we lean on Luke Inman to discuss more of that. Plus, a couple of us won our XFL parlays over the weekend. Yes, indeed. Can't wait to tell you who it was. Tom Schreier joins us. He also is a contributor to the Purple and Gold podcast. You can check yep. that out and hear Tom's take on the Vikings on a regular basis. But, Tom, uh, Kurt Cousins is in the news once again. Tom Pelissero reported that he doesn't expect a one-year extension again for Kirk Cousins, mm -hmm. which was sort of the compromise last year. They tacked on a year to the deal, gave him a no-trade clause. A lot of people thought that might be the addition this year. Tom Pelissero, he's pretty plugged in. He says no. So my question to you is, Tom, where are you at with Kirk Cousins? What do you think the fans want to see with Kirk Cousins after his 13-win season last year? Yeah, no, I'm a little surprised by that news. I assumed he was going year to year, uh, given he's entering the age 35 season. Um 
I think he had a lot of success last year. I don't think it was coincidental. He had a coach who believed in him. This is the first time in a while, right? Washington drafted him to be a backup franchise tagged him. And then we know the relationship between Zimmer and cousins was always contentious. Zimmer wanted to spend that money on defense. Uh, just started watching film at the end of uh, Zimmer's tenure with cousins. So uh, he has a guy he worked with in Washington who I, uh, you know, I, I think it wasn't a coincidence that he was good situationally, right? O'Connell really emphasized that cousins, it seemed like for the first time in his career really delivered uh, in the clutch. And, uh, and it did seem like, you know, I, I'm curious where he ended up in terms of his understanding the offense, but if he's getting into that kind of 75, 80 range, he has the same offensive coordinator. He has an offensive coach. Like he, this may be the first time in a while he kind of has the whole playbook accessible to him. So I understand why they may want to extend him further than a year. Um, however, I just don't know how that compromise happens because Cousins has always been give me the most money, right? He's fourth round pick, didn't get the big bonus or whatever, like a first rounder did. Um, franchise take twice, so he didn't get the the big contract initially. And then obviously has has made a lot of money from the Minnesota Vikings. So I guess if I'm the Vikings, I'm saying, hey, we're going to give you stability, someone who believes in you. However, you're going to want weapons around you. You want us to spend money on the offensive line. You want us to get a receiver too. We got to spend money on the defense if we're going to fix this thing, even with Flores and Toe here. So um, I think this may be the first time we see a little bit of compromise from Cousins. I think that's the only way it works. They're going to say, look, you can't get maximum, maximum value. We'll give you stability. You retire in purple. You got to allow us to have some money to spend on the rest of the team. This is interesting because Pelissero's report insinuates that it's one of two things, Luke Inman. Either they let the deal play out or it's a longer-term extension. There's no in-between. I wonder if that comes from the Cousins camp, maybe them saying, hey, no more games, guys. I, we want a commitment or we want out before we get too old and can't sign a big a long-term deal elsewhere. I don't know exactly where it's coming from, but I personally think it would be a mistake if the Vikings gave a long-term deal to Kirk Cousins. Um, I think people need to see the forest for the trees a little bit here. This was a regression season for Kirk Cousins in a lot of ways. It was a progression season in fourth quarter comebacks where he was outstanding, not taking that away. It was a regression season in a lot of other ways for Kirk Cousins. And at his age, a long-term contract seems like you are paying not for a game changer for the next X number of years. So I'm nervous by that, Luke. Mm -hmm. I'm nervous by a long, long-term extension. How about you? Just to echo what you just kind of touched on, Sam, he didn't put up the best stats in the world last season. He had the most interceptions he's ever put up in his career with 14. That was also third most in the entire league. His lowest passing grade in six seasons per PFF and the least amount of touchdowns he's thrown in the last three seasons too. So statistically, you're right. There was a lot of meat left on the bone and a lot to be desired there devil's advocate always going to say well you're two in the system same playbook he should be a lot better and the most important stat that trumps everything like you said was winning he won a lot more than he lost last season and he led them to the best record they've had in what six seasons and that's why i think you know you talk about what do you think the fans want i think there's always going to be about a third of the fan base if i had to put a number on it that's just kind of all in on kirk they believe in him they want to build off last season and they think with him back they can expand on that success with another year under his belt in that KOC system. So I think you're always going to have 30, 35% of fans that are in Kirk's corner, no matter what the other two thirds of these fans, I think they get his limitations. They understand it. Now they've seen it. They've lived it. They watch guys like Jalen hurts, Josh Allen, you know, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, etc., And they want that. 
They want the next young star. And they also understand how hard it is, like Tom said, to build the perfect environment Kirk needs when you're paying this guy $40, $50 million a year. So I don't think that group of fans are going to be pumped by any means if he gets extended. But I also don't think they're going to be shocked if it happens either because they also understand the alternatives right now. Look at the landscape. Nearly a third of the league. You can count out 10, 12 teams right now that are in the quarterback market. And the options out there, they're getting razor thin. I mean, some of these teams are going to be fighting over guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr when this is all said and done. Are either of those two, just for example, huge upgrades from Kirk? I mean, not really. So if your solution is to, all right, well, let's go to the draft. Take a quarterback in the first round. Well, which one? Because mm-hmm. there's five of them by my count that are worthy of a first round pick. And at least four of them are going to be long gone by the time you're actually on the clock at pick 23. So unless you're comfortable taking the Tennessee kid, Hendon Hooker, which I am, but we know that's a conversation for another day. Draft crush. Yeah. Then, then you're going to have to move all the way up into the top 10 for one of those guys. You're already short on ammo and draft picks from all these trades Quasi already made in year one. So knowing all that, I think there really is only two options. Either you find a way to get that draft trade done, you find your quarterback in the draft, you let Kirk ride out this last year of his contract, or I think you got to sign him to a long-year deal because you got to make a full commitment to him so you can spread the money out and try to build that best team around him you possibly can. And keep in mind, too, this decision, whichever way they go, ultimately could decide Kwesi and O'Connell's fate when we look back at this offseason in two, three, four years down the road. And they know that, too. So the golden question is, did they see enough from him to say, yes, we can risk all our jobs on this guy, who, by the way, I think, Tom, you mentioned it, third oldest starting quarterback in the league, and we're going to push <laughs> all our chips on him for the next two, three, four years? I mean, if fans were running this team, I think we'd all agree we'd be drafting a new quarterback with our first pick. But I also doubt they'll be very surprised when it maybe doesn't go that way. The team signs Kirk to a long-term deal. And the last thing, too, think about this, guys. The Wilfs have been around for a while now. And they've seen the bad times and the droughts with this team. The post-Farve era, for example. Donovan McNabb going 3-13. and (laughs) They know what it's like, too, to swing and miss on a quarterback like Ponder, T-Jack. Teddy, they had bad luck on. I mean, they've lived it. They've been in it. And as owners, they might feel like having Kirk just staying competitive is far better than the alternative on swinging and missing on one of those guys in the draft, wasting three, four, five years of guys like Justin Jefferson in his prime. So you got to keep that in mind, too. It's not always just the front office and the coaches who make these decisions. The Wilfs are going to have their two cents, too. And after the season that they just had last year, a lot of overachieving, a lot of magical endings. Don't be surprised if they sway Quasi and KOC in that same direction and try to run it back with Kirk and just keep building off this early success they had in year one. Let's go back one year, guys. This time, one year ago, we were all sitting here waiting for the Schefter bomb. We were mm-hmm. waiting for Schefter to say Kirk Cousins has been traded to mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins for two first-round picks and two attack of Iloa. We were waiting for that to happen. It was almost expected. I think last season lulled a lot of fans into a sense of comfort with Kirk because things were good. The results were good. And I do think Kirk probably played even better than his stats would indicate because of his ability to come through in the clutch. But let's let's sort of take the emotion of the name Kirk Cousins out of it. If there was a player who for seven years as a starter 
largely underachieved and disappointed and then had one big outlier season and he was going to turn 35, I think most people would say it makes most business sense to come up with a succession plan. So I'm not saying Mm -hmm. trade Kirk, but I'm saying that getting the wheels turning on the future, I think needs to happen now. And Kirk can still be your quarterback. But if the choice is long-term deal or play it out, I think you got to play it out. I would have been okay with the one year, but if that's off the table, I think you got to play this thing out. And here's, here's the argument that can go both ways. Tom Schreier. One argument is, well, your offense is built for a veteran quarterback. You've got the receivers, you've got the tackles. Um, You need a veteran quarterback who can like guide those pieces and get the most out of them. Or other side of it, you could say, whichever young quarterback comes in here has a great situation. Justin Jefferson will help elevate their play. I mm-hmm. uh, don't know about the running back situation. Don't want to say, you know, that their running game is necessarily going to be dynamic, but you've got the tackles to protect them. Like there are a lot of pieces that would help a young quarterback. So, so which side of the argument would you fall on there, Tom? Yeah. I mean, you also have Hawkinson and I think, you know, I was thinking about this cause I wrote about like a Kirk Cousins succession plan for this morning. Um, and I think, people will initially see this and we know how the fan base splits, right? Someone goes, how could you be thinking about moving on from cousins after this good season? And you went through all the qualifiers. Other people could be like, you know, how soon can this happen? I guess my point with this is I don't think it happens quickly. I, I don't, we know that the Vikings, if they were going to burn it down, it would have happened last off season, right? You have this new, new regime coming in. They, they may have come in and said, Hey, we got to clear this out. We want our own guys. Instead, they said competitive rebuild. You have enough here they squeeze 13 wins right out of this team with 11 one score victories. But, and, and we know that that record is going to be different next year because schedule is tougher. It's unlikely to win 11 straight uh, one score games, even with Justin Jefferson uh, on your team. So, I think you're right in that this is a good opportunity for a young quarterback. I think we have to reasonably look at how you get that player in the building, right? It's not going to be by tanking and trying to get the, you know, first overall pick or a top three pick or something like that. It is probably taking on a project quarterback playing under Kirk cousins and then um, coming in late. I understand that means that you're not utilizing the full rookie contract, but I just don't know what situation you would get that in, right? You're actually looking at kind of a Jordan love type situation, but it, this is easier to manage, right? Uh, Kirk cousins is not Aaron Rodgers. He has not won a championship here. He is not of that caliber. Um, and as much as may, people may cringe with love, remember the Packers think they have something in him. And I think part of that is he was allowed to incubate as long as he did before potentially getting this opportunity this year. So again, Luke, and you guys know uh, who you could get in the draft who are projects, but I think this is actually going to be multiple project quarterbacks, some which will be Kellen Mond. You're hoping you get one that sticks, and that may take place over the course of a couple of years, therefore justifying a Kirk Cousins extension. So that's a convoluted mm-hmm. way of saying, have Cousins as the placeholder, as the high floor, underneath him start developing quarterbacks thinking about the future yeah I mean you bring up a lot of great points and Sam you said okay I think you got to get the succession plan in place all right let's open that door what does that look like let's start to draw out the blueprint I think the problem that keeps rising to the top is that is this the year out of all the years we finally decide to pull the trigger and try to get this real succession plan in place is this the year we have enough ammo and assets to do it your defense is aging and falling apart already dead last in the league and half the guys are keeping 
veterans that are only getting older on the wrong side of 30. You've got a couple core pieces, right? Like J.J. Hawkinson, Tom brought up two good bookend tackles. But outside of that, not a ton to build on right now either. And the worst part is you're picking 23 and you don't have a lot of draft ammo outside of it. No second rounder, only five picks total. So out of all the years, it just doesn't seem like this is the ideal year to go take a swing. And you're right, Sam, you got to have a plan in play. You can't just put the blindfold on and start throwing darts up on the board. You got to be strategic. And with so little assets and ammo to their name right now, it just doesn't seem like the ideal year to go after a big name quarterback in the draft inside the top 10 or top 15 let's say for example so that's what makes it difficult had they had all their draft picks or maybe they were picking in the top 15 instead I think this conversation would be a lot different but it's just very difficult to get yourself in that top 10 discussion with so little assets knowing that you already need all those draft picks to start rebuilding your defense back up again and getting some fresh legs in the building too Maybe the way that they find their quarterback is through this new cognition testing. Did anybody see this on The Athletic? I just found it this morning. Kind of the craziest thing that I've ever seen, like from an evaluation standpoint. And, and Luke, I know you'll get into this. And it's maybe a little harder to wrap your head around because it's not a 40-yard dash. It's not something that's done with cameras on. But apparently there's this new called S2 cognition testing that puts quarterback prospects or other prospects in front of the screen, basically. They have to process sort of a visual puzzle as fast as they can, and it spits out a score. And the 13 highest scorers that were quarterbacks had an average passer rating above 90 in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And the 14 lowest scorers had average passer ratings in the low 60s in the NFL. So their cognition test correlated directly to how well they played in the NFL, which is crazy, if true. Crazy. You can read this story at The Athletic. Um, if you guys haven't read it, definitely check it out. Written by Matt Barrows. And apparently Brock Purdy was like a dominant tester in this cognition test. So maybe that's the key, guys. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Rick Spielman and his scouting staff were in on something related to this. Because you remember those last final two, three years he did up to the podium and you talk about all these advanced testing and metrics they were looking at outside of just the raw athletic numbers. They were getting into a lot of like character tests and things like that. And he said they had over 20 different tests that they would put these players through that they were kind of honing in on and on their radar. I can't say for sure, obviously, that they had this specific test going on, but it wouldn't surprise me that Rick Spielman and his staff were on something like this, something in the same realm over those final two, three years. Now, obviously, it didn't work with Kellen Mond there towards the end, but it is pretty crazy though sam to hear those stats and see those splits that if you can have success at this test it could mean success at the next level so few and far between do yeah. we actually find real testing that truly correlates to a guy succeeding at the next level yeah apparently they have contracts with 14 nfl teams so mm -hmm. almost half could very well be the vikings and with quasi at the helm i'd be surprised if he wasn't taking advantage of all of these kind of non-obvious analytics. Like the 40-yard dash, broad jump, that's obvious. Everybody has that information. If there's information that other teams don't have, that's the stuff that's that's truly valuable. The Kirk Cousins debate rages on. Comment below. Would you rather have an, a long-term extension or let the contract run out? Let us know how you feel. You're at Locked On Sports Minnesota. We move on to our free agency preview running back edition after I tell you that this show is fueled 
by FanDuel. The NBA is back. It's a great time to download FanDuel. NHL also going down the stretch. Hey, you can wager on the XFL as well. We're doing parlays on this show. And if you're a new customer, get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, download the app. It's really easy to use. And you can stack your bets using the same game parlay for a chance at bigger payouts. Do it with basketball. Do it with football as well. Don't miss the chance of your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back. Whether you win or lose uh, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, free agent running backs, guys. I think there's almost a 100% chance the Vikings are down a back, whether that's Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, or both. So you look at the free agency list of running backs. Just, just toss some names out. Who stands out to you in free agency? Because, guys, it's kind of a star-studded running back class in free agency, to be honest with you. There's actually a lot of big names out there. Um, and you know they're not all going to get paid. Like, there's just not enough teams willing to pay running backs big money. So there are, I think, some talented guys that are going to slide through the cracks and probably sign for way less than you would expect. Uh, Toss some names out. Tom, you got anybody? Yeah, I was looking at, I mean, again, I don't really know what their price range is, but like Jamal Williams, a guy who's durable, who the Vikings have to be familiar with, given that he's been within the division, Green Bay, Detroit. Talk about good vibes. You know, the Vikings are focused on culture. Um, and uh, and I honestly, the Williams stuff, and I only know this because we we have a Packers vertical on zone coverage. Like the guys, uh, the Packers guys knew why the money didn't work to keep him. But they were like, yeah, this dude like dancing before games and his teammates love him. Um, feels like something kind of unknown, right? Without having to shell out what um, you would for kind of the top, top running backs in the class. Otherwise, maybe you go the exact opposite way, right? Rashad Penny has been injured, but like has this kind of upside. I thought of Dalvin Cook yeah. as more like the X factor in the sense that uh, he could reel off 80 yards, right? Against Buffalo, he could have that screen pass that went something like 65 to tie the game against Indianapolis, you know, mounting that comeback. Um, if you're trying to replicate that, affordably i feel like that's the kind of guy you're looking at otherwise like it's uh um raheem mostert i was like if if you want to mm-hmm. get someone if you're going to go to that running back rotation um a he's maybe a resource giving was in san francisco so long b he's already been part of it so um so i was looking at those three guys that like jerick mckinnon also would be interesting i just personally like jerick mckinnon and <laughs> would like to bring him back in um also you could use him in the passing game but of those three i'm just kind of looking at kind of the three categories other durable and known um kind of the x factor wild card can he stay healthy give you a lot of yardage or kind of um you know someone like mostert who's been in a system that i think they're going to recreate with three two three running backs um who are affordable yeah those are three good names and i mean i can fling out some more names like you said sam this is a deep class free agency of running backs and it's another loaded class of running backs in the draft too problem here is we still really have no idea what we've really got with Kenny and Ty Chandler yet. So we're trying to find a compliment to those. We know there's a lot of speed there, but what else? Obviously, we know it's a league popular approach now. 
running back by committee, but are either of those guys a guy you could give the ball to 15, 20 times a game if the game script played out that way week to week? Not really sure yet. Are either one of them consistent and reliable in the passing game, not only with their hands, but staying into block? I mean, those are huge questions. We as fans probably have no idea, but I'm sure coaches have a much better grasp of, of you know their talents and limitations. I know they can both run. They both got speed for days, but I think what I'd be looking for is that third guy who I know can run in between the tackles and also just not stay on the field on third downs, but thrive there. And that's why I've always liked Kareem Hunt from Cleveland. I remember studying him coming out of the draft. I even got to interview him down at the Senior Bowl. Outstanding balance. So tough to bring him down. He also excels on third down in the passing game. That's just what he's known for. That's his MO. So I don't know how much he costs to be able to go into next season, I guess, just feeling confident confident I've at least got one for sure guy who's dependable on those passing downs that would just help me sleep a lot easier at night and if you're letting Cook and Madison go probably no reason you couldn't find a way to sign a guy like him knowing he's going to be a fraction of the cost and you're still saving money and coming out way ahead another guy too I'll just fling out I think would just compliment both those guys very well Samaje P. Ryan just an absolute bowling ball of a human being. Dude's got two tree yeah. trunks where his legs are supposed to be. It's just two tree trunks there. Uh, looks like Tommy at Lifetime at the squat rack, just going beast mode. Damn straight. Uh, but, but he's a bruiser. I mean, he can wear teams down when needed. If you need a guy mm. who can log 15, 20 carries, be the short yardage guy, just like Kareem Hunt. And you can also leave him in on third down. He's a much better passing blocker and pass catcher, I think, than a lot of people thought when he came out of Oklahoma, at least from what I've seen from him watching the Cincinnati Bengals so much the last two, three years. So teaming Hunt or Pirine up with all that raw speed you get with Kenny and Chandler, I think that would be the perfect complement to one another. Form a great three-man committee there in the backfield or or can always find one in the draft. Day three of the draft, never opposed to that. Although, again, it would be nice, I think, to have at least one veteran with some more playing experience that's also just a proven blocker on the roster heading into the season. Other guys like Josh Jacobs, uh, Miles Sanders, who else is up? Deontay Foreman. I think they're just all out of my price range. I'm willing to invest in the running back position. End of the day, I think I want to go as cheap as I can and put every penny elsewhere, like on the offensive line or the defensive side of the ball, just like the Eagles and the Chiefs kind of blueprint laid out for us. I want to follow that copy-paste set as much as I can. Yeah, I, good names, Luke. And I like I like Tom Schreier's approach to identifying guys that do have injury histories but would not be dependent on to be the bell cow. When you have a rotation, you are not tied to health in the same way you were with Dalvin Cook. So Rashad Penny makes a lot of sense. Um, Raheem Mostert was a name I wrote down. Yards after contact last year was in the top 10 in the league. Uh, really good back when healthy. He's dealt with injuries. Jarek McKinnon, love him. I would be up for a big-time happy reunion with Jarek McKinnon as that pass-catching back. And if you want to go full reunion mode... How about Mike Boone? Still criminal the way yeah. he was used in Minnesota. Mike Boone is going to be cheap, probably a million-dollar guy who comes in and gives you that pass-catching threat, and he's career 5.2 yards per carry. Now, he's only, he's only carried it 99 <laughs> times, which is way too low for someone of his athletic ability. Seems like he dealt with injuries in Denver. He's 27 now, so the career is kind of passing him by, but we're talking budget-friendly here, right? Budget-friendly. If you've got a stable of three running backs, uh, you can do that with your number three back. I, I think a big mistake, guys, 
by this staff was not incorporating Ken A. Wong Wu better. Yeah. Um, a guy that clearly has something to offer athletically. You see what he does on special teams. For them to not incorporate him at all in the offense and at least see what they have, I thought was a mistake. And, and it goes back to what Inman said. You don't know what you have in Chandler or Wang Wu because neither of them got used. So it is a big mystery. And that's that's the only reason, Luke, why I guess I'm a little more pushed toward finding that free agent than I am bringing in another rookie because then it's kind of like having three rookies. Yeah, 100%. And I mentioned that too. You need that one veteran guy. You just know is going to show up. And again, yeah. you're not starting from ground zero again on third down. It's a pass-happy league, guys. It's a passing league. You need guys at the running back position that can not just catch out of the backfield and run some fun routes, they got to be able to block. And I think Kareem Hunt and Samaj P. Ryan, along with some of the other guys, both of you guys mentioned, makes a lot of sense. We don't know that Ken A and Ty Chandler can't, but we also don't know that they can. So I don't want to go into the season with that risk. And again, too, whether it's day three or maybe another undrafted guy, they're probably going to end up bringing in four or five guys into training camp anyways. I think, again, the running back position, as fun as Dalvin is, as fun as a guy like Bijan Robinson is in the draft to talk about, the next Saquon Barkley, maybe he's sitting there at 23 mm -hmm. if you move on from Dalvin. Those are fun. But at the end of the day, again, there's this just new blueprint in the NFL that shows you it's really tough. It's not impossible. The San Francisco 49ers were great with Christian McCaffrey, so it's not impossible. But more times than not, it's really tough to pay that running back position so much money and deprive other positions elsewhere. Uh, Tommy, just your 30-second take. You think Dalvin's gone, Madison's gone, one or the other, or both? No, I think it's both of them. I think Dalvin, it's, it's cost, right? I mean, I, I just don't think Kwesi would have given out that contract. I understand if you're Spielman, he's kind of the super scout. He's like, we scouted this guy. We got the right guy. Got to pay him. Got to keep him around. Um, I think Kwesi definitely thinks like, hey, he's like a CEO, right? He goes, mm -hmm. look at the cost. If I pay the running back this, I lose someone on the offensive line or I can't get a receiver or something or it hurts the defense. So I think, I think Dalvin's gone for that reason. Madison to me feels like more like a change of scenery for him personally, right? He gets together with his people. He's like, you know, look, I did perfectly fine when I had a sub in for uh, Cook. He's not that caliber of running back, but there, someone else may know, uh, use him more and, and know what to do with him. Um, and I think you make a good point with the guys. I mean, you can't just turn it over to, to Kenny Wangu and, and Ty Chandler, but Chandler looked pretty good in the preseason. I know that's mm -hmm. a big qualifier. There's not a lot of uh, regulars who play in those games or whatever, especially with three games now. But um, I kind of like what I saw from him. And, and Wangu, it must be just like, obviously he's a great returner, great athlete. It must be something in terms of how he runs routes. He's not doing that right if they're using him in the in the short passing game. Or like he's kind of got the Madison thing where he doesn't have great vision, right? He kind of mm. just runs towards where he's supposed to go. So something's up with him because I think Kenny should be incorporated more. He's just such a great athlete. So um, point is, I think you're getting in that kind of depth because I think the, you know, the top two guys are gone. Sam, yeah. Tom yeah. said no more Dalvin. That's his gut. That's what he's going with. What percentage do you put that at? I hope he's not back just for the money's sake. Maybe you can get a fourth, fifth round pick for him. Take every draft pick we can get. I think at the end of the day, I would be surprised if he wasn't. You'd be surprised if he wasn't back? If he wasn't on the team, sorry. In, I'd in be surprised if he wasn't on the team, yeah.
It's just a big um, move. Six million dead. They save eight. Six million dead, though, means that Ziggy and Mark Wilf have to pay six million dollars out of their own pocket to watch him, Dalvin Cook, this electric blue chip running back, play for another team, play against them. It's easy for us guys at home just say, ah, just pay the dead cap. No big deal. No problem. I think from an owner's and, and front office perspective, it's a little bit different. I think we make it sound a little bit easier said than done. So, OK, but there's there's four guys where you can say the same thing. Thielen, Harrison, um, Zedair, Zedair, like all these guys, you can say the same thing about, mm-hmm. and you can't physically keep them all. Correct. Right? So, yeah. so, so then it becomes all right. Positional value, which is going to sting less. Who performed well last year that we actually want back from an on-field standpoint? And Dalvin, not only you know is there savings attached to Dalvin, but the positional value is low, and the performance has been declining. Like all of those, I think make Dalvin the easier choice to stomach just personally. So I would say percentage gone 75. I think he's three, three out of four times he's gone unless his representation is willing to take a pay cut. I don't think that Dalvin is getting that advice from his representation, from what I understand about that agency. I think he got surgery on his shoulder to prepare himself for free agency so that he was in an appealing asset to other teams this that's, will that's be, how i'm reading the situation yeah and i hope you guys are right i'm on that side of the fence with you this will be a great test to see where quasi is at as opposed to a guy like rick spielman who may be a little bit more old school a little bit stuck in his way so to speak when it comes to making big splash moves like that and those tough decisions with a player that obviously is pivotal in the fan base and been very electric and got the big name sold a lot of jerseys things like that this will be a great test for quasi to see if he can put that stuff to the wayside, like Tom said, and be more the CEO and just look at the raw numbers and make a calculated decision for the team's benefit. I hope it happens. As the league converges on Indy, we're going to get a couple of Luke Inman's combine crushes. After I tell you about a granola bar that I've got a crush on, it's Built Bar. And you can get Built Bar in a myriad of ways. You can get it online, built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. Have it shipped directly to you. Or you can go in-store today and get a box of Built Bars at Walmart or Sam's Club. Just head to the pharmacy section. What makes Built Bars so great? They taste great. They're good for you. 100% real chocolate. That's an impossible Bonus on top of all the health benefits you're getting from Built Bar. 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and 100% real chocolate. I'm telling you, I don't know how Built does it, how they pack all of that nutrition into flavors like brownie batter, you know, churro, um, coconut almond, but they they figure it out every time, and they nail it. It's Built Bar online at Built.com or in-store, pharmacy section, Walmart, or Sam's Club. Load up on your Built Bars today. All right, Luke Goodman, the author of the Locked On Draft newsletter. Got a chance to preview your combine preview. I don't want you to spoil it. I don't want you to give it word for word to us because people got to go read it, check that out. But uh, you've got some opinions on this combine coming up. So you know, take this whichever way you want to, but I'm interested in guys that you've got crushes on that you want to see in this combine or maybe some players of interest for the Minnesota Vikings. Take it whichever way you want, but give us and the listeners some education. Combine week, what do you got? You're looking for specific players here, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'll I'll give you one that fits both categories, a guy that I just love and would make a ton of sense for the Vikings, Joey Porter Jr. 
I love him. Just oozes NFL player. Got the NFL genes from his dad. He was a monster linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers all those years. He's long. He's fast. He's just competitive and brings that toughness and swag you love at the cornerback position that either these guys got it or they don't. You can't really coach it, and he's got it. If there's one guy I would bet will have a long, successful career at the next level, it's Joey Porter Jr. And I only bring him up because he's in that right range due right now of being selected in the top maybe 20 picks. So there's always a chance he could slide a few more picks further to the Vikings at pick 23. Although, again, you look at the teams drafting ahead of the Vikings. I know I've mentioned this a few times you Sam start to really hone in on their draft needs there's a gauntlet of teams in front of the Vikings and they all could be looking at cornerback from about pick 14 Mm -hmm. to pick 22 so that's gonna be tough another guy I really like Trenton Simpson from Clemson he's another one of these joker linebackers kind of hybrid what are you a strong safety or a linebacker are you a nickel corner you gotta have a plan for him before you bring him in before you draft him but if used properly think he'd be the ultimate weapon just kind of this swiss army knife with his ability he can blitz he can tackle he can cover in fact he's going to end up being one of the fastest linebackers in indy i'm sure of it and i really think from what i've watched this guy has the speed and quickness to almost play cornerback at times if needed that's how fast this guy is so adding a guy like that I think about Brian Flores now in this defense that he's going to install. Having Brian Flores get his hands on a guy like this, I think about the Patriots defense, all those guys up at the line of scrimmage, who's standing, who's coming, who's going. I know Flores would get the most out of him, and I think he's a guy. He could still be there at 23. Combine is going to play probably a bigger factor into where these guys go than it should. It should really be 80%, 90% all about the tape. These guys put up three, four, sometimes five years of college tape. That should be the crux of your evaluation. The combine is a great tool to decipher when you got two guys very closely rated and ranked, who you're going to give the edge to. And I think when it comes to the Vikings, what I'll say this about the combine itself, what drills matter most? Because the 40-yard dash is always the fun, splashy thing to watch. It rarely equates to success in the NFL. In fact, did some digging, wrote it in the newsletter, Sam, you saw this. One guy in the top 40-yard dash rankings, top 10, 40-yard dash ranks all-time at the combine, one guy got a second contract in the NFL. That was Chris Johnson back, what, 2009, I want to say. So instead, teams like Quasey, they look at more of these explosion drills like the broad jump, the 10-yard splits, the three-cone vertical jump. They want to see that short area quickness and burst because it usually more accurately translates to football speed, just the way the game is played. In fact, if you go back, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Caleb Evans, Brian Osamoa, even Ed Ingram, they all rank near the top in at least one of those explosion drills amongst their peers, amongst their positional groups. So pay attention to who thrives in those kind of drills over things like the 40-yard dash if you're looking for specific Vikings targets. Didn't, uh, you wrote this in the newsletter, didn't Kalan Barnes, I believe his name is, isn't he like the all-time record setter in the 40 and he happens to be on the Vikings practice squad? He's an afterthought. Yeah, he's an afterthought. He is uh, He is number one as it stands now. Yep, I remember when the Vikings picked him up when they're really hurting at cornerback, kind of did some digging. I'm like, oh my gosh, not only is he in the top 10, top five, he's the guy. John Ross, I think, is one 100th behind him. John Ross was the previous record holder, if you remember him, wide receiver coming out of Washington. But again, John Ross, first round pick, all that buzz, all that speed. 
didn't pan out. Flop team to team to team. Chris Johnson, the only guy in there. There will be a second guy. Do you guys have any idea who the other guy right now? He was a rookie last year. He was drafted in the fifth round. He was a cornerback. Blazer. Incredibly fast for how tall he was. Had a great Woolen. season with Tariq Seattle. Woolen. Tariq Woolen. He wow. will start to break that trend. He'll get a second contract, but it just still goes to show you that's still only two guys that got a second contract in the NFL. So 40-yard dash is so fun, obviously. It's splashy. You get the Rich Eisen 40-yard dash for the St. Jude's Kids Hospital. We love it. But when it comes to actually being good at the next level, it doesn't always equate to NFL success. Tommy, any juicy prospect takes coming from the Schreier household? Yeah, it's from my whole household. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talk to my parents, talk to my sister. Um, no, I think the uh, um, these are more curiosities. I mean, I think I saw it was Matt Miller, I think, uh, mocked Drew Sanders to the Vikings. Uh, that stands out just because most people are mocking corners, and I understand why. However, if you look at the Vikings history with first-round corners or high draft capital, on corners hasn't worked out super well obviously otherwise the cornerback wouldn't be an issue and i think if you look at teams like you know the niners and the eagles and some of these teams that built out good secondaries they did it without using draft capital so i was just i like the idea of you're gonna have to replace jordan hicks or kind of functionally anthony barr right kendricks is one of those guys who seems like he may be out the door which is tough from kind of a sentimental standpoint and also because of how good he is but um uh, it just feels like linebacker. We're not talking about that. I thought it was interesting that they put draft capital there. Also, if you're going the project route, I don't know if I love Anthony Richardson. I also think the Vikings need to trade down picks because I assume you're not taking four or five selections. I'm assuming Quasi uh, and his group wants more, but like that guy, if you could convince me is a pretty good project, it's like maybe that's the exception. You're not using that first round pick on the defense. You're thinking about the succession plan for Cousins, especially if you can't come to a long-term deal. Yeah, I'm with you, Tommy. Team trade down. Team trade back. Stockpile those picks as much as you can, unless you just fall in love with the quarterback. I think Anthony Richardson, by the time this combine and pro day comes and goes, I think he's long gone. Still all aboard on the Hendon Hooker train from Tennessee. Perfect plan with the torn ACL coming off that. He can sit behind Kirk for a year. But unless it's for a quarterback, I think they're just hurting so many areas, both on defense and offense, you could argue and justify. They need more draft picks. Hopefully you can find a trade partner. Easier said than done. Hopefully you can find a trade partner. Stockpile some picks. I think that would make a lot of sense. You brought up Drew Sanders. I don't know who you met. Matt Miller, maybe had a mock. Yeah, set. I think he had him, yeah. Former five-star recruit. Went to Alabama. So you know, a linebacker from Alabama. Played pretty well. Well, there ended up transferring to Arkansas last year. I watched some tape. It's still early in the process. I got to do a little bit more of a deep dive. He's 232 pounds, maybe a little bit lighter for a linebacker, I guess. I mean, these guys bulk up, but he's also six foot five. He just looks so thin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he just doesn't look like there's much to him. He's got the frame to fill out, but I don't know how long that's going to take. And I don't know, once you add that weight, do you lose some speed as well? So I've seen him mocked. He's one of the top linebackers for sure. Top five, top three linebackers getting thrown out there along with Trenton Simpson, who I mentioned. I just think linebacker is a position we've seen kind of like running back where you can find some solid guy. Maybe they're not superstars, but you can find some more than serviceable young guys in rounds three, four, and five. And I would rather wait and maybe target a guy like Jack Campbell from Iowa. Owen Papo, Sam, you and I have talked about yeah. him quite a bit. There's a lot of these guys, I think. There's a few guys from the Senior Bowl who impressed. Ivan Pace from Cincinnati. Drew Sanders is interesting. I'm glad you brought him up. I haven't seen what all the buzz is about quite yet. But again, it's still early in the process. Maybe I'll be proven wrong even this week at the Combine.
All right, so I'm looking at his detailed like pos- like snaps by position. Go watch it. Just watch him he, play. He just looks so thin out there. Well, he just looks like a stick out there. How does this work? He's got he had nine and a half sacks for Arkansas as an inside linebacker. Like as an inside linebacker, that's an absurd number. How did that happen? Like what what kind of blitzes? They must have been unbelievable at getting him free, like to get after the quarterback. Because that's just, you don't see that. Like think about. Inside linebackers in the NFL, how many sacks are they getting? Four, right? I right, like, totally. That's that's just a big number. Totally. Um, have to watch some of that those snaps back because it looks because it looks like he's not exactly lining up on the outside very much. Like four times a game, three times a game, five times a like it's all inside snaps. So that's just that's curious to me. Um, okay, combine this week. Check out Luke Inman's draft newsletter. Um, I'm excited for this next 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 part. Tom, you'll have to sit and listen to me gloat. Um, XFL parlay check-in. I was ripped. Arif was ripping me for not knowing who teams' quarterbacks were, not knowing where like who teams are even, and he was absolutely right. I don't. But that doesn't mean I can't lead our parlay contest after one week. My parlay, roughnecks, spread, minus four and a half, covers, defenders, I didn't even take the spread. I took the money line, Ooh. the underdog money line, plus 140. They killed the Vegas Vipers by 12. So that is a plus 380 parlay win, which puts me in the lead. Luke Braun hit the Battlehawks spread and the Renegades Roughnecks under. He wins at plus 242. Luke Inman, you dared bet against the other side of my Roughnecks. You took the Renegades. Nah. Nope. Terrible. Terrible, 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 Kenny. And Arif lost on the Sea Dragons of Seattle because he needs to be a Seattle guy. So he loses as well. Um, so that puts me in the lead. Braun right behind will make our uh, week three XFL parlay picks this Thursday on the show. Uh, Tom, how many how many minutes of XFL football have you watched? I was thinking about this because I know you guys were talking about it. And one of the shows last week, I saw a little bit of like Orlando I'm trying to think of who Orlando was playing. It was right after the wild had played a matinee game and I switched over to ESPN and there was an XFL game. So I've seen maybe five minutes. I have seen highlights. I know people are gambling on them. I hope some of those players end up in the NFL, but I've not watched a lot of uh, XFL football. He, he's downplaying it. Tom goes to Tom's watch bar yeah. every week. My watch right. bar. He's yeah, named yeah, after he, himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets the table for 30. Hopefully people show up. If they don't, they don't. <laughs> he spreads out. He kicks back. He relaxes, brings the cooler, Surly's, and he is in it, man. He's hardcore. He's downplaying it right now, Sam. I'm sure there's a Battlehawks watch bar somewhere or a Sea Dragons watch bar. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Got to capitalize on those St. Louis football fans. Their start. Reggie Wilson is leading the charge. He's a big Battle Hawks guy. Uh, this is how we end the show. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. I'll just jump out and say it. The Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, every time they play, are a party foul. I know it's not football, but it just burns my soul to see what's happened to that team. They're they're not even going to make the plan. Dame Lillard Whoa. is going to Dame Lillard is going to single handedly bring the Blazers above them. Walker Kessler and the Jazz are going to somehow stay in it. I'm I'm so done with that team. I got to double down with you, Sam. Me and my wife were out to eat last night. The Golden State T Wolves game is on the TV. Yeah. They're up, you know, 
double digits early on. She says, oh, that's good. They're beating Steph Curry. The Warriors, right? Well, Steph's not playing. But, yes, this is good. Oh, no, but, no no Wiggins. No yeah, Draymond. No Wiggins. <laughs> yep, I, I go. But this is still good on the road. They need this. Yep, they open the second half with a brutal loss, and they need this. You're right. This is good. But I'm just going to warn you, honey. This is what they do. They get out to the early lead and then they blow it. They disappoint you. She goes, no, I don't think so. I go, trust me. And sure enough, I'm with you, Sam. I I've been over it for a while. I don't know about you, Tom. Do you still have some faith left in this team? It's just so draining emotionally to get your hopes up so high, whether it was all the way at the beginning of the season with the Rudy Gobert trade or whatever it may be. But it's just so draining emotionally to get invested into this team and just be constantly let down. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any faith that there'll be anything where last year, 46 wins and Finch people trusted now that people want him gone. Um, Tim Connolly comes in and makes the big trade for Gobert. I think that's a uh, what we call a, a new ownership trade, make a splash move. It was mm -hmm. uh, confounding at the time. It remains a little perplexing why they uh, continue to do that. Something you should know about the Timberwolves. They are better at home than on the road, although they're not great at home. I'm trying to pull up their records here. So, uh, yeah, and, uh, and Hornets proved that wrong. Yeah, 11 and okay. 18 away. Explain this to me like I'm five. What's the problem? Yeah. The owner, the coach, or they just don't have the talent? Yeah, no, no, it's just they had a team. So I guess where I was going, they're 11 and 18 away. They play like seven games at home and, and 12 on the road. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is a tough schedule coming down. Gauntlet. I think in terms of what changed, uh, I mean, so Finch is a very much like kind of let it be like these guys are pros. Um, kind of gives them a structure and a system and um, is relatively hands-off. That works when you have great chemistry. I do think Patrick Beverly wore on guys last year. However, I think he was an important spark plug for that team. He's gone. Do you lose something with like Vanderbilt? Is that kind of guy? I mean, ultimately, you made a trade, an all-in trade for Rudy Gobert. and Walker Kessler might be a better player right now. So, um, so it, it obviously is related to the trade, the change in chemistry. Also, they built this team around Carlton Towns, who has been injured since November 28th. What we have learned since he's been injured and many people suspected even before he was, Anthony Edwards is the best player. He drives winning for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I know this is a lot of Wolves analysis for a Vikings podcast, but um, they should have built it and they should build it, build it around Anthony Edwards. That would mean you can't have two bigs. They clog the lane for him. So it was just a bad trade. And I think this is what happens when you have lack of continuity is that like you're jumbling around from Rosas who should have been fired because he has had an affair. Then they didn't, they weren't big on Sachin Gupta. So they go get Tim Connolly and Connolly goes and trades for a, a player who is declining and owed a lot of money in his 30s. So, uh, yeah, pretty bad trade and pretty bad. It, isn't it looking Herschel, no, that's a good breakdown, Tom Herschel Walker esque more and more all the time and taking mm. the political yeah. subtext out of it? I mean, Herschel yep. Walker isn't even like it's the connotation's even more negative now than it used to be. But um, yes. with the way, speaking of Walker, the way Walker Kessler is playing, it's balling you know, the, the value that Jared Vanderbilt brings, that Malik Beasley brings, Nas Reed. And not even, well, Nas, did he even need Rudy? Like, Nas right. well, no, no, you're balling. right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, I, just, just to be clear, so they, so like Vanderbilt and Beasley got traded to the Lakers. However, they got value for those players. I mean, this is Danny Ainge. So Danny Ainge, who kind of built this monster in Boston, is from Utah, and I think that's why he took the Jazz job. And he just 
I mean, I think he knew the situation in Minnesota and and got a really good deal. The saving grace here, because you're right, these draft picks, if the if the Wolves, it's like 4 through 13 is really close in the NBA. If the Wolves descend into 13, and I still believe the Wolves will make the play-in, um, but if they descend in that, you're getting into like lottery territory, right? right? And all of a sudden, you are loading up a Utah team that's already relatively loaded up, at least for a team in their state where they traded Gobert and Mitchell. Um, so, yes, this has a potential catastrophe, you know, catastrophic mm-hmm. element to it because they traded so many picks. Mm-hmm. Um, you also messed around with a team that was pretty successful last year and you're supposed to build off of. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is not the worst trade in NBA history, but it is in that range, and at least as it looks right now. And that's with Gobert holding his own with Cat out, right? It's more that like you double down on the bigs because mm-hmm. they cat scores right and doesn't play defense. Uh, Gobert struggles to score, plays excellent defense. So he basically tried to create one player out of, out of two, right? Um, mm-hmm. Should have more thought like the the saving grace of this trade. They just kept Jaden McDaniels. He may not be great offensively every night. He is a defensive monster. Mm-hmm. Him and Ant locked down Luca and Kyrie after Kyrie. That was fun. Yes, after Dallas traded for Kyrie. They need players like Torian Prince, like uh, Jay McDaniels. They're called 3 and D players. Shoot threes, play defense. Um, those are the guys they need. They don't need more bigs. And I don't know what, because you're right. Nas Reed is a special player. Uh, I mean, we're in the, we're in the, should they trade Cat? Do you just trade Gobert? You basically kind of like, you know what I mean? Like bring him back right. to the store. Cut your loss. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, but yeah, because it's it's like Ant needs guys who open up the lane for him, shoot around him, um, play great defense. And, and would you have can Patrick Beverly moved the needle at all if they would have found a way to keep him and not trade I him think away? Here's, it, here's the truth. I think he wore on him. Again, I think he was a spark plug when they were losing in early in the season. We see how emotional he was for the people who watched the Wolves. Like he was up on the scorer's table, threw his jersey into the crowd, all of a sudden started crying, was like sucking down a beer next to Ant, who can't legally drink after the, after the post game. I mean, he's, he's an emotional guy. He kind of rides that. However, I think it's telling that the Wolves could have gotten Beasley. He was bought out by the Lakers, and they did not do that. And he ended up back. Um, uh, or sorry, Beverly, uh, he he ended up back in Chicago where he's from. I think it's sentimental. I think it's a team that's trying to bring something out of a, uh, a roster that isn't very good. But um, I do think like they couldn't have just run it back last year. They just could have run something similar to it and then figured out who's the star player, who do we build around. Um, to be fair, though, like I think people have that NFL mindset. It takes like three years to build out a team, right? In the NBA, you can do it quickly. It's just they throw these teams together because the NBA is just a lot less complicated. It's not, you know, you can, it's not like jumping into an offense where we were blown away that TJ Hawkinson could come in the middle of the season and be productive. That happens all the time in the NBA. These guys get traded and they go blow up wherever they are. So mm-hmm. um, important that they build around Ant. Like he's he's he is Justin Jefferson to uh, the Wolves, right? You know, yeah. like he he is the star, and they need to. They need to do that. Yep. Yeah, and I think Utah gave us another lemon in Conley too. I think Utah is just offloading their their washed up stars on us. But that's that's a, that's uh, locked on wolves. Ben Beacon, listen yeah. to that analysis every day of the week. You can also get it uh, occasionally when Tom Schreier jumps on the football party. Tom, yes. this uh, this was great. Thanks for joining us on short notice. We appreciate it. He's at T Schreier three Purple and Gold podcast as well. Thanks a lot, Tom. Zonecoverage.com, too. Great literature over there. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Luke Inman with us every day on the football party. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Subscribe on YouTube for free. 
also free and available where you get your podcasts. It's Locked on Sports Minnesota. It's the Minnesota Football Party back with you tomorrow. So long. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.